how I got here. The inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How I Got Here, Mozio and FocusWire's podcast about the innovators in travel and transportation. Today, we're joined by Julian Weselick and Julian Stiefel, the founders of Torlane, a platform that mimics the role of an in-person travel agent to plan and book all aspects of multi-day trips for individuals and small groups. Torlane has raised a total of $67 million and is based in Berlin with about 250 employees. And thanks for joining us, Julian and Julian. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, so we like to start off every one of these the same way for us to ask you how you got here. And I want to also uh, note that this is the first, as Kevin said uh, does earlier, first time we've had uh, two founders on at the same time. So really looking forward to uh, getting, uh, you know, a perspective from both of you, uh, you know, straight from, uh, straight from the lion's mouth. So um, turn it over to you guys. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I mean, we make it easy. Both of us are called Julian. And um, I mean, the, the two of us, we, we actually, we, we know each other for quite some time. Um, we grew up together in a, in a small city um, in the south of Germany called Heidelberg. And um, I think there, there were like two, two parts that always um, uh, connected us. First, there was uh, the love and interest for entrepreneurship. And then um, the second was um, the love for travel. And um, yeah, I, I myself, I, um, for example, I lived in, in South America for um, a few years. And uh, throughout this time, um, I traveled basically all over um, uh, South, South America. And um, the one thing that we, like throughout our trips, always realized was like how difficult it actually is to plan individual tours. So there are two ways on how, how individual trips are, are planned and booked today. The first is you go to a travel agent. And usually what, what you get is um, a, a good concept consultation. However, mostly it's around prepackaged tours. Um, so there's not a lot of uh, individuality. And the other option is um, to go online and um, yeah, to start booking your trip through all the different um, internet websites out there. And on average, um, a traveler that is booking a trip um, online visits up to 40, 40 websites. So it's quite some, quite some hassle. And um, throughout our travels, we, want, we saw this problem and we wanted to solve it. And um, this is how we, how we came up with the idea of Tourlane. So basically we wanted to combine the best out of both worlds. Um, the consultation and the expertise of our of a travel agent, and then combine that with the ease and um, the speed of of an online service. And um, this is this is how we started. We um, founded Tourlane in 2016. We had multiple at the beginning. Uh, we tested a lot, a lot of iterations, and um, actually nobody at the beginning. Also, nobody wanted to 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 fund us. Um, so we, we had to, to get our learnings and um, over time we're able to, to shape in our business model and then eventually um, yeah, uh, raise, raise the first, um, f- first round of funding. And this is how, how, the, how the journey then began. So I 
think that everyone who's been in the travel news for a little, uh, you know, for a while has heard a version of the you uh, visit X number of sites on average. You know, I've heard 28. Apparently, I didn't know it had gone up to 40 since the last time I heard that stat. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it begs the question of kind of like, let's delve a little deeper into your approach, right? Because I think the, the travel planning, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of the holy grail of a lot of different, uh, you know, of startups that have tried to, to tackle this. So clearly you guys have attracted a lot of funding, $67 million. You have 250 employees. You've, you've achieved a level of, level of success already that, you know, a lot of these other travel planning startups have not, but I'm curious, we can get a little bit deeper into this. What exactly you know, go into, how are you doing the, balancing this, the consultation of travel agents with the other side of things as well? Um, David, before answering this question, I quickly want to, to add one comment to Julian. Uh, actually, we've never shared it. I don't know. I don't know if we shared it, but the very first two investors we ever had were both our mothers. So these were the only ones <laughs> at the very beginning before deep diving into into the market and uh, really understanding us who who gave us money and who, who eventually kicked it off and, and financed it. But yeah, to um, to to answer your question, I think um, what really uh, stuck us um, when deep diving into the market is when once we realized why actually um, it's so complex and hard to book these coherent trips online, because how uh, companies went online and brought inventory online, it was all about uh, making one vertical accessible on a very broad basis. Yeah, So booking, making hotels accessible, um, all the flight uh, companies making flight booking easy, get your guide on the activity side. But um, when it comes to the coherent trip, this was very much still in the hands of classical tour operators, yeah, which were um, founded some 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, where the market structure until today, it's very much a pre-internet market structure, yeah, where you have um, offline tour operators, where you have DMCs, where you have travel agencies, um, and lots of players involved with um, uh, very few digitization. So um, when we start basically selling the, the first trips um, ourselves, we realized there seems to be no, no better way currently than sending Excel sheets uh, around the world, pricing um, with no, no live availabilities. And I think this is when Julian and me really got the, the huge and enormous potential um, out of this market and the segment. Um, by really involving technology and building the tech to digitize this inventory and build coherent trips and a company that can sell the coherent trip um, right from right from the beginning and it's in our DNA and we are not just an, a hotel selling side we are not just a, a flight booking company we are focusing on the entire trip where our DNA is we we, we are explorers. Um, it's not about just one item for us. It's about the, the entire experience. Um, and that's when we, yeah, when we realized the full potential of what we are doing and actually also the reason why it's so hard to book the coherent trip online because it's simply not online. So let me push you a little bit on that. So one of our first ever guests was, the, uh, was Aaron Gao, who founded uh, Silver Rail. 
And he talked about there's two different types of businesses, fix it and you know, disrupt it businesses. And most businesses in travel are fix it businesses. Um, but occasionally you get one like, you know, an Uber or something like that that throws out the entire existing stack. So my question to you, I want to reframe this a little bit. Are you guys building a fix it business, meaning tools for existing travel agents with existing businesses and saying, well, look, you're, you're sending Excel spreadsheets back and forth and you're mostly offline. You're, you use green screens and send emails to DMCs. And here we're going to put that all in one place and bring them on board. Or are you starting your own vertical travel agency basically to do the comprehensive trip? I mean, we, we start our own, own, um, own tour operator um, where we, from the start, wanted to um, bring the expertise of travel agents um, online. And um, we basically build our software, the tools um, for our travel agents to be able to very easily put together the most unique but also like curated um, trips and um, really uh, cater and, and um, define them to, to the, the wishes of, of all, all customers and, and um, uh, travel preferences that, um, that people have. Very cool. No, I, I think, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity there in that you see a lot of these more traditional guys. I mean, um, Mosio works with Tui and there's Dirt Touristique and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, brands that um, unless you're deeply involved in the travel industry, people don't realize are, are actually massive multi-billion dollar companies. Um, but you're right. Most of them are trying to figure out how to upgrade their tech stacks right now. And, and it seems like you guys are kind of coming in um, from the outside and, and building an entirely new stack of vertically integrated. Is that a correct interpretation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely helped that we, that we don't have a history in tourism. Yeah, so we really took a, a fresh look at the, at, at how, how it works and how it should work. And it was always, driven from the customer perspective. Yeah, so um, we found a Tulane because we wanted to fix a, a real problem from the customer perspective, um, which means for a company or us as a company, disrupting an entire industry. So let's, let's go back if we can then. So you've given us the, the kind of the overview of what the company is and what the kind of the vision is. Now you said, Julian, at the beginning there, what do we call you julian w and julian s what's the easiest thing here not only have we got our first as david said our first co-founders on together but you've both taken on the same name which is uh, which is fairly awkward for these kind of things so um julian w you said that you were friends growing up right what age did you two meet we met at an age of 12 i think 12, okay so, right so there's like a the, there's a lot of time between meeting as 12 year olds and hanging out and yes. then co-founding co a, 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 a fairly well-funded online travel brand. So how did that relationship, I'm always curious about co-founder relationships and we've got one here that goes back to when you were, before you were teenagers. So tell us about how your relationship evolved to the extent through school that you you actually realized that you could be business partners because that's quite a leap, isn't it? From, I don't know, playing computer games as teenagers to starting a, a, a tech company. Yeah. And there, I think there, the clear answer is that it definitely evolved over time. Yeah. It, it wasn't that we made a pack uh, in 2000 <laughs> in, in, with 12 years. Hey, let's build this amazing travel company together. So, like, like the Goonies it, or something like that. You know? Yes. Yes. So it evolved over time. And um, I mean, we, um, I must have, I studied in, in, in London. Um, uh, afterwards, I um, joined uh, Rocket Internet here in Berlin, yeah. um, where I uh, yeah, was 
was already in, in an, a very entrepreneurial space. Um, and uh, the, the relationship to Julian um, never broke up. Yeah? And um, Julian uh, was, uh, maybe you can take over quickly your background. So it, it's a little bit easier to understand where we come from and yeah. um, how, we, yeah, how we then eventually decided to, to, to found Twilane. I mean, we, I, I also, um, before Tourlane, I founded my first company in uh, 2010. Um, this was back then out of, out of university um, together with a few friends, um, basically with the idea to build um, a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, rental company, um, which eventually we, we sold um, to Airbnb when Airbnb wanted mm -hmm. um, to expand and come to Europe. And this is how I, I got then into... Uh, the tourism world um, from a different angle, the accommodation side. Um, but I helped then uh, to Air I helped Airbnb to to scale and build up the online marketing here in Europe, and eventually also moved over to um, to San Francisco um, to work work out of out of HQ. And yeah, this is for me very like years in tourism, where of course I, I saw I saw um, a lot and also got got a lot of insights in how how tourism how the online tourism world works. Remind our listeners, what was the name of the company that you sold to Airbnb? It was called Aculeo. And it was, um, as mentioned, out of university. Um, and then, um, yeah, Airbnb wanting to go to, to Europe. Okay. So tell us about how you then, you know, got to the point where you, you know, you, you get on the phone to Julian and you say, Julian W, this is, you know, I've just sold my company to Airbnb. I've how about kind of getting together and doing something else? How did that discussion kind of evolve from a discussion to launching Turley? I mean, we, we, were, we were always in contact throughout yeah. like the years. And um, I mean, us going into the entrepreneurship world um, from different angles, me with um, the, the, the foundation, like founding, founding Aculeo um, and Julian um, through like Rocket Internet, I mean, for us, it was, it was uh, um, yeah, clear, however, that at some point um, we wanted to, to found, um, found something together. This is, this is like a passion of ours. Um, it always was. And um, therefore, it was for us a matter of, of um, rather when than, than, than if. And yeah. I, I was um, um, then from 2013 until 2015, lived in San Francisco, um, and I mean, throughout that time, we were always in, in, in very close contact and, and basically discussing um, when would be a right time to, um, to, to kick, this off, kick this off and to, to, uh, to start, start something new. Did you have the yeah. idea, sorry to interrupt, just, to, just on that, did you have the idea for Tourlane then and you were just waiting for the right time to launch it or was it pretty, pretty quickly? I mean, the, like the, 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 the travel industry and especially the planning part of unique travels is somehow broken. This is something that we, that we also saw like also beforehand through, throughout our own experience that we, that we did um, planning and traveling um, ourselves. I think the, the question is then like, how, how, do you, how do you start? How do you come together? Um, and, and then how, how do you kick it off? And... I think for us, it was really, I mean, again, that we wanted to do this, this was clear, was more often when. And um, in 2015, we basically decided that we wanted to I mean, quit our jobs and um, eventually start 
start. And I think this is what it comes down to. It's, it's the starting and um, just in the, for the first few months, um, uh, start running and see, see, see where this goes. There were a lot of learnings that we, that we did. And um, I mean, as mentioned, the first, first months um, were like iteration after iteration of how, how, to, how to go into this market and how to, how to tackle it and also to understand it. But I think it really comes down to the, the you, have to, you have to get started. And for us, this was um, in, in two, 2015. I, I'm interested, uh, last one from me for a while. I'm curious, why did you go for the multi-day route rather than the single-day route? Because I, I wonder, is it because you know, your, you know, your compatriots get your guide has obviously really gone for it with the, the single kind of tours, single-day tours. Is it because there was a gap on the multi-day tour side? Or was there another reason why you opted for that particular model? Uh, definitely because there's a gap and the gap we felt strongly when booking these trips ourselves. Yeah, so um, yeah. there's a, a big intrinsic motivation in fixing this problem uh, because go going through all the pain that almost everyone knows when planning and booking their holidays online um, is a pain we also felt. So um, just a single experience booking, yeah, I, I think it's from the level of complexity, something different. Um, and what we've also what we've also realized, um, yeah, then then ourselves is just the 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 problem we we are able to solve in the multi-day tours market. Mm. It's enormous, and also the the brand potential that lies within this segment. It's also enormous when we see about the the level of interaction um, that we have with our customers. That's pretty unique, yeah, since we are not just there for just one day we are there for their entire holiday and um often our our trips are being booked quite in advance so um this means for us we we really build up a close relationship to our customers with our service with our trips and and eventually with our brand and that's what we strongly believe in is is, is also missing in the segment um a, a very strong customer experience and and brand that delivers on it so I wanted to delve into maybe a little more philosophical side here. So um, I was kicking around some ideas a couple of weeks ago with friends about like the future of package tours. And I was saying right now it's mostly, you know, um, a flight plus a hotel and a transfer to a beach in Mallorca where someone lays on the beach for five days or something like that. Right. And, um, and what prompted that kind of insight, you know, asking, I was asking, is there something for younger generation there? And I remember a friend showing me a music festival package and it was a hotel and a uh, bus to a place with a lot of parties and, and, um, and a bunch of dinners. And I was like, this is a young person's package tour. And I was uh, thinking about, you know, there's a famous phrase in, uh, in Silicon Valley, you only make money by bundling or unbundling. Um, and it, it made me think about, you know, next generation uh, iterations on kind of some of these traditional uh, uh, formats. And so I'm curious how you guys have thought about how to push for the traditional tour operator, uh, you know, uh, brands and, and experience, because there's one philosophy of saying, okay, well, we're just going to add a digital element on um, a on an underlying model that um, maybe mostly older generations still use, um, or there there's trying to be like, not only is it technology, but we're also trying to 
have a, a different kind of uh, approach uh, to how we're doing these tour operator packages to engage a completely different generation. And I'd love if you could just maybe you know, tell, tell us a little about your philosophy on, on that. There are so many different types of preferences and wishes out there on how, how trips um, should be packaged and, 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 and how customers want to, want to travel. Um, that it's, 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 not, it's not about that, you know, that those trips, it's not possible to put them together, but to put them together in a curated way that those trips make sense um, and that they fit to the customer preferences. That is the actual problem. And this is also the underlying problem that exists in the package tour industry. This is an, an infrastructure topic that so far uh, a lot of supply has not been digitalized yet. And if so, it has been digitalized by single individual players in single verticals like booking, Airbnb, get your guide for activities or Skyscanner flights, kayak. So those are items that are served in different, different verticals, but the horizontal layer on how those different um, items need to be put together so that they make sense and that they actually fulfill the wish of the customer. That is, that is the, the, the big, big problem that needs to be solved um, within the package, package tour industry. And this is also the technology that we have been investing in over the last years now to build up the supply. And that's not about quantity. I think everyone can, can, can get quantity on their platform. And this is what you see on, um, on other OTAs where it's really about the more supply you can onboard, then the, the more demand will, will come. And this is not our philosophy. Our philosophy is that we say, we want to curate every aspect of the trip. And that means every item that we sell has been curated by us. Um, and we then afterwards use our technology and all the knowledge that we have, have built up um, to package those tours, um, depending on how the customers want. And yes, of course, this is also possible for, for um, uh, uh, trips with a concert and like different different age groups there are no limits again once you have the technology in place to to do that so you guys are taking a much more kind of overarching comprehensive view towards like being like it doesn't matter who you are like you know the ideas that were interesting so like I, have you guys thought about like a particular wedge in the industry that is a particular age group like because there, there's no denying right that some of these more traditional like things the reason why they'd be able to get away with with being brand names that most people on, who are listening to this podcast probably haven't even heard of um, is because, you know, like they're probably catering to 40, 50 and 60 year olds. Um, they're not catering to the younger generations. So, like, are you still targeting those 40, 50, 60 year olds? Or is the idea that you're going to at least try to target the younger generation? We, we target those 40, 50, 60 year old and we target the, the younger generation, I think, uh, to, to, to answer differently. To, we, we don't see ourselves as a, as a company standing for a certain type or group yeah, um, uh, of age. We see us as a company standing for a certain way of traveling and for a certain type of trip. Yeah? So um, we, we, we stand for the tailor-made trip where you have um, really an explorational experience of a destination. Yeah. Um, and when you only want to book your one flight, your one hotel and go to a festival, there's a better option than booking a tour line because the, that's not a complex problem yeah, that is being solved. I think the complexity that lies within uh, a segment is a, a one, two, three week holiday. Um, and then 
we adapt to actually the group and the age, depending on the level of budget, the level of luxury, the level of also experiences you want to do on a trip. Yeah, uh, And this is what we do see differentiates between group ages. Um, it's just how you want to travel, in what locations, in what accommodations, and what you want to experience. But um, the, 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 the type of trip that unifies all tour lane customers who go on a tour lane, they want to, to really explore a country um, or, or countries and not just uh, go to a single location. And that's how we also have built our technology to be able to do so with a lot of curation involved. So uh, to Julian's point, it's not about getting a mess of inventory, it's uh, getting the, the right inventory in, which also helps us in, uh, in actually managing this, uh, this, this complexity of, of, of uh, inventory that exists in our segment. I suppose uh, related to that is the, consul the consultants part of the company. So you actively encourage people to become con consultants, travel consultants or travel agents as, as they used to be known. I mean, how, how have you gone about recruiting people to become consultants for Tourlane based on what you've said around the people that you're targeting? Because some consultants are very strong on, you know, trips to the Caribbean or cruise trips or safaris and things like that. Have you taken a deliberate tack? Have you used a deliberate tactic for the types of consultants that you've, you've brought in to work within the platform? Yeah. In, in, in general, you could say that we have a really multifaceted strategy in, in doing so um, also to be able to scale it. Like I think, first of all, the prerequisite is that every um, travel expert loves to travel uh, and has been traveling. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and um, then it's for us about uh, finding the right uh, uh, expert for the right request. Yeah, this is where also technology comes into place and uh, training, onboarding uh, our travel experts and giving them the opportunity to um, build up their expertise. So um, part, of, uh, part of, 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 the, of their job is actually to travel. Yeah, so um, we have sent our travel experts uh, to destinations um, to, uh, to, to explore countries, to find hidden gems and also to uh, understand and learn. Yeah? Um, of course, there's, uh, there are some who have traveled 100, 120 destinations, but um, not all. And uh, part of what we are, we are doing and how we see um, also the, the Tourlane travel experts um, is that it's also a, a group of experts and not an, an, a knowledge silo, every single expert. Yeah where we have built up um, an internal um, e-learning. Yeah? So for our experts, where we have different learning sessions about our, our, our inventory where, where we are selling, which is being feeded in from our um, experts on the trips before, from the learnings, even from customer experiences, um, and our dedicated um, travel product team that is the, the main team responsible for curating inventory. I, I'm always very curious about these types of um, uh, services where you've where you've, you've you've brought in your own consultants, travel agents, ex experts, whatever, to kind of handle the selling process. But what kind of um, I suppose you could put it? What kind of quality control mechanisms do you have in place just to make sure that they're 
giving out good advice. They're selling the right products to the right people and their engagement with the customers because, you know, there are stories of these kind of things going very wrong. So, um, you know, how have you gone about making sure that they don't go wrong? I mean, they are, they are, they are now very specific, I think, uh, options that you have as, as a company yeah, to, to manage it on a, on a certain level. I think for us, one of, of a very important metric is the, the, the customer um, net promoter score. Um, so that we base on an agent basis, yeah, which is being uh, uh, being for us um, uh, then asked to customers on the on the consultation part, but then also on the traveling part. Um, so just to make sure that we deliver on expectations, that we deliver on promises, uh, I think is one of, of very very important parts to to build a sustainably good company and and business. Um, yeah, but uh, um, part of of, uh, of quality control also is technology. Yeah, so our our experts also um, yeah uh, have to have certain um, certain knowledge accessible. What is feasible? What is not feasible? Um, that they only get curated inventory in their hands, so that we actually make sure everything that is being sold fulfills a certain quality standard. Um, and making exactly this problem, what you were describing, mm. also scalable. Yeah, and um, this is a this is a topic which can be very operationally be done by asking uh, the customer how how the customer like the consultation, the offers, and then the booking. But also much more broad when um, yeah, may, uh, taking a curated um, uh, perspective to travel when. Um, bundling knowledge through our e-learning um, platform that we have created to make sure we fulfill to 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 our quality um, uh, standards and uh, and um, settings that that we have set ourselves. Julian, if I could quickly follow up on that, so you mentioned earlier that you guys are like the horizontal layer on top of a lot of this kind of stuff. So is the idea that you plug into various vertical verticals, let's say like booking.com or Expedia for hotels and, and flights and stuff like that. Um, I imagine though that there's a fair amount more than that. You're not just an aggregator that, you know, with a, a step, you know, process going through A, B, C, D, E. It sounds kind of like you, you alluded there earlier to saying, you know, your travel experts travel a lot and they, they pass information back. How are you basically saying, okay, well, we know that, you know, Mallorca, we really like this resort and it's, and are you somehow adding a layer of classification on top for your travel experts to basically be like, this is, this is a really good hotel versus just, you know, the cheapest one that Expedia sends us or how are you, how are you taking these independent vertical feeds and splicing them in a way that like helps your travel experts? Exactly like you described. So we, I mean, first of all, there is a certain, there's a certain also operational level, um, which depends on whether we want to, um, want to, want to, or want and, and can work with, uh, uh, with OTA. So what is important for us um, that we um, can control the quality of the entire trip. Yeah. And um Certain com yeah, certain companies um, have the have the have the in incentives or the strategy that they control their customer experience, and then I think it becomes a, a sort of incompatible uh, at some point of time, um, and uh, this limits also uh, whether we want to um, want to uh, actually work with the existing players or whether we want to go directly to the 
um, service providers and integrate them directly so we can actually make sure we are we are we are working in one quality setting um, so this is this is for, for us very important and when it comes to our travel experts exactly how you described so what we have built yeah we have built a curation layer um, on top of the inventory which we integrate so uh, we have an internal curation classification yeah um, where we are rating every item that goes in there um, in, in, in a very structured way so that we can use it and that it, it also actually also um, is compatible per trip item. Yeah? So the information we have structured our accommodations is uh, actually, actually suitable to the information how we have structured our activities. Um, and uh, then our, our, our travel experts do get these pre-curated uh, um, supply um, to their hands, which also is one of the, the, the key parts why we are able to control quality, where it's very hard when you go on um, just purely uh, um, making sure you get as much inventory in as you, as you, as you need. Yeah? So what is also kind of inherent with a, with a with a typical marketplace model that you want to, to get as much inventory in as you can to also convert long tail requests for us it's something different for us it's not about as much as uh, as as we can for us it's the the right uh, inventory curated for actually what we want to sell um, and uh, and and that's why we've also structured our um, our our tech accordingly so to add to this and also this is a, like i think a core core aspect that has has been lost over the last decades online it was really more about adding more and more supply to the different platforms and then leaving the choice to the customer of finding out of hundreds of options, the right one. And this is, this is overwhelming and just not a good customer experience. And this is why, why, why we built this layer. Yeah. You said at the beginning, Julian, that um, apart from your respective mothers, you found it quite difficult to raise money. People wouldn't 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 fund you so i mean two part question really the first one is why do you think it was difficult initially and two if you look at tour lane tour radar evianos it's been like that and i for those that are listening to on the audio i'm raising my hand as it goes up at the end here i mean there's a, a definite trend amongst the three of you the way you've raised money and it's gone up exponentially in the last few years i just wonder what has caught the uh, caught the interest of um, investors more recently that perhaps didn't in the first place everyone who to, to answer your first question uh, why it was hard i mean everyone who uh, who julian and me pitched the idea uh, told us you two are crazy you you know the travel industry and you know internet business models and out of all those industries you're really taking travel <laughs> where it has been so hard to get funding all the way because the competition is so high. Um, and I think it was, that was core to why we had such problems. We, we, we were trying to get money basically based on, on an idea and on a pitch deck um, where no one wanted to invest because no one wanted to burn, burn their hands um, as it's hard, hard in travel. Yeah. Um, competition is high, marketing is expensive. So being able to build a company 
that uh, um, can grow and can also grow on profitable unit economics. Um, I think it's something where investors rather say, um, okay, uh, I, I'd rather have to have to, want to have some proof uh, before investing than just um, uh, fundraising on on a belief stage. Yeah? And um, potentially in in the US it's slightly different, but in Europe and particularly in Germany. Who, who love numbers, um, this has been extremely, extremely difficult. So this is then what happened. Yeah, we, we closed a family and friends round. We um, were, were building up the first traction. Student was uh, building up the, on, the marketing. Um, I, was, uh, I, was, I, was, I was selling um, the first trip. So we were actually able to prove um, that there is a need out there, that we are um, hands-on to get a business up and running. And once we were able to show it, um, then the everything shifted 180 degree. Uh, because I think what what has been in common that um, many many uh, of of the investors, or I would say all, understood the problem we would go after, but yeah. um, very few are, are are so deep into the travel market that they would actually uh, invest out of a pitch deck. And uh, that's why we needed to first prove and get some numbers in before we. Uh, then closed around the and yeah I, I think to some extent we were, we were one of those uh, drivers behind now recent uh, fundings and also with proving ourselves that um, uh, there that we, we were able to clearly show the market um, and 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 how it um, it can be done um, and from a from a potential perspective there has never been a doubt yeah so um, all we see see the 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 size of the market. I think it's just a level of then, um, yeah, execution. How do you execute and 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 make a company founded in two thousand fifteen or sixteen uh, actually compete against those enormous players in the market? Yeah. Um, and and this is what what we were able to prove. Now your co chief executives is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So this, this is the one that I'm really, if there's any question I want you to answer, honestly, it's this one, right? So your co-CEOs, your co-founders, how do you decide who gets to, you know, who, who decides the final decision? And I wonder, and I, this is the framework for this, in that what happens if you disagree on something? I'm imagining some kind of elaborate game of rock, paper, scissors or something like that. If you've both completely disagree over the direction of a particular part of whatever it is you're working on in a day-to-day, how do you decide the right decision when you disagree? So I think one, one point that is very, very important is I, we, don't, we don't believe in right or wrong decisions because there's always something in between. Right, yeah? okay. Um, I think it, it comes down to like sitting down and, and um, talking about it and then also in certain, certain um, uh, like situations disagreeing but eventually committing to, to a decision and then, then also living with it and, and seeing how, um, and how, how, how it goes. And this is, I think, what we, what we have, have been doing very, very good together. Um, we also have like, an, like a different background. I have a marketing background. Um, and focused and also like more on the like tech tech side of it, um, where Julian focused more on on um, the finance finance and uh, operations and, and sales side. So we have also a different um, uh, uh, a different point of view, like in in the different different departments. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, 
Do you and uh, I mean, I um, actually in in in, uh, in preparing for this podcast, I listened to the one from from Jochen Engert from Flixbus there, yeah, where um, you were also asking how it actually is going with the three co-founders. So in that sense, I think it's even a little bit easier for us because we are just two. Um, it's more intense uh, because there's just one person you always talk to, and we have <laughs> have had so many hours and days and. Um, uh, and and uh, yeah and 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 discussions, which is which is in, which is important, and I think also then the the solution to it. It's a lot about communication, um, and then it's uh, it's it's about uh, um, yeah uh, disagreeing and commit, and uh, and and this is what we have been what we have been uh, yeah uh, living to, and uh, what what's in, important to make it also work um, as a co uh, co leader of, of a company. Do you think, sorry, last one from me. I mean, do you think the fact that you are childhood friends makes it easier or more difficult in this setup? Because maybe it's easier because you know exactly what buttons to press from each other and you probably can second guess the other person's decision. But it might be more difficult because the bonds are stronger and you perhaps might not want to disagree because of that friendship. We go through so many ups and downs when founding a company from, yeah. from day one. Um, that a strong bond um, is, is an absolute advantage of yeah. knowing each other and um, knowing that you can rely on somebody uh, no, no matter what. So like us having this, um, uh, this friendship is a huge, huge advantage. Yeah, no, interesting. David? Yeah, no, it's funny just to comment on that. I founded my company with a fraternity brother in college, but also a childhood friend I, I knew since middle school. And I, I think you sometimes get advice from people saying, avoid doing business with friends. And I think I would refine that to be ref, ref, avoid doing business with people you would like to hang out with just because you want to hang out with them, not necessarily <laughs> because like, you know, but I, I find French close friendship, like it sounds like this is true for you guys can actually significantly de-risk a situation because you really do know the emotional kind of up and downs you're going to be uh, going into something and with someone else. So um, that's fantastic. Um, I had one last question kind of, I wanted to uh, open it up and see if there's any, any ridiculous tour lane experience you guys would like to share. So we've, we've had, um, you know, uh, funny anecdotes in the past of, uh, you know, various, um, uh, you know, Henrik from AirHelp uh, kind of storming an airport in order to uh, get the word out about his uh, flight redemptions, uh, flight refunds, excuse me. You know, we've had a lot of interesting uh, anecdotes. And um, I imagine that there's got to be something that, <clears throat> uh, you know, occurred that was unexpected or kind of completely out of the blue uh, in the founding of Torling that you did not, um, you did not think you were going to experience. So we're just, you know, keep the question general here. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear. Yeah, I mean, there, there are many, many, many uh, funny stories and, and, and customer stories. I, I mean, um, I think one of the, one of the most recent stories we, 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 we'd love was um, actually when, when the first, uh, when, when, when Corona came. Um, so once, uh, once, once Corona came and, and the first uh, borders were, were closed, um, for us, it's, it was uh, all about getting customers back home safely. So we didn't, ta we didn't care about working hours for, for ourselves. We didn't care about um, spending money. For us, it was all about getting all our customers around the world quick, as quickly home as we could. 
So um, we were working really day and night, our, our, our customer service team, our experts team to, to make this work. And there was just no single uh, solution out there to bring customers home. Um, and also uh, a couple of people got stuck yeah, where even we, we weren't able to do so. And one of the couples that got stuck actually for six weeks was a couple who got stuck on the Cook Islands. Um, and they just had the time of their lives. And what they were doing, they were sending us pictures, motivating us from the beach, going scuba diving, uh, just having the best time where we were really in firefighting mode the entire day, um, <laughs> which was for us uh, uh, during all these crazy times. Also a good, a good anecdote that even if the situation is bad and uh, as, as crazy as we would have never thought it could be, um, some some good stories also happen to our customers. Wow, I uh, I appreciate the pettiness that they showed there, and just uh, kind of being able to s sprinkle uh, uh, you know on your open wound uh, there their amazing experience. Um, anyways, I think we're we're out of time, um, but I want to thank both of you, Julian and Julian, um, for your for your time today. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been uh, How I Got Here, Mozio and Focus Wire's podcast about the innovators in travel and transportation. And we release these weekly on Thursday. You can subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, yeah, and thank you very much for your time. And thank you again so much, Julian and Julian. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How I Got Here podcast. We'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation. Check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages. And get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com. See you next week.